Welcome to TechTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. New breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. We'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. Ali Abassi, welcome to It's TechTastic. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So you're in uh, the prompt engineering space, largely, right? And helping others learn yeah. to be prompt engineers. Yeah, you got it correct. Um, so I started AI for Work. It's a prompt library uh, for the workplace. Um, and it's basically just prompts divided by individuals' roles. So uh, securities lawyer, uh, outside sales rep. Um, yeah. I had somebody on yesterday that uh, it's a pretty big pushback on prompt engineering as a as a thing, especially when it comes to like sharing prompts. And yeah. th that pushback actually comes to something I believe very strongly in too, which is it's like teaching a person to fish versus giving them a fish. Like if you give them a prompt, you're teaching them how to do something right now, but the thing that they're using itself learns and changes, which yeah. means the prompt is going to be useless in a year. Uh, th there's ways to avoid the drift, uh, right? Like um, uh, if you take a look at AI for work and the prompts that I put together, they're mostly in JSON code. Um, so uh, as a result, they stay quite firm and it, the instructions are so clear. Uh, so it's an interesting way that people are prompting now um, with JSON, but it's allowing the system to really understand and not drift very often uh, and get consistent results over and over again. So it's in JSON, which is just a markup that allows you to hold a bunch of like text in a format that you can then redo. Is there a system that sits behind it and updates it? So like when ChatGPT5 comes out, the prompts mm -hmm. will get updated with something? Is that the idea? Um, so there's basically a framework that I have for all of the prompts on the platform. Um, and they start with like basic prompt, which is your task, right? Like create a marketing plan. Uh, but then there's rules set with them. Uh, there's a criteria for evaluating them. And the unique thing that I've set up here is that it does a loop. So it evaluates the work, tells you how to improve it, and then asks you if you want to improve it. And then it gives you a rating out of 10. Uh, but yeah, there, there's parameters that you can use. And um, my favorite thing about it is the fact that with ChatGPT, it's basic like natural language logic that it allows you to put into it. OpenAI started their enterprise offering yesterday, uh, allowing companies that uh, had security issues or anything like that to have their own environment. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be huge. I think like in a workplace, ChatGPT is going to go from like, maybe 10% uh, usage to 80% usage. And I think there's going to be so many people who's, who want to learn how to do this and learn how to use these tools. I couldn't agree more. The enterprise offering for them was a no-brainer. They had to move that path very rapidly. Their biggest risk at the moment, though, is getting sued into having to retrain all their models from the ground up because they gathered data in a way that is not compatible with copyright law. For sure. But do you think that's actually going to happen? Or do you think it's going to be delayed for the next four or five years and they'll build AGI by that point? No, that's a really good question. Like, will it get held up? The thing that can happen is yeah. that you can have a, an order put in place that stops them from being able to operate their existing business while the question's answered. And any good lawyer that's trying to go after them for damages uh, is going to try to get that cease and desist order put into place to stop them from continuing to do anything so that as yeah. they drag it out, they're the ones getting screwed by it. Uh, but there's so much money behind it, and it's owned by one of the largest companies on Earth. 
it would be very, very difficult for that to get held up for any period of time. And in fact, they'd probably just move jurisdictions into a place where they didn't have to deal with it. That's the problem of yeah. chasing giants. That's exactly what I was thinking too, because like, remember how Uber came to market, they just went into towns, whether they got approval or not. And then they said, you know, the future, this is going to be here. We're going to work it out. I feel like uh, OpenAI is in the same boat. They're just like, we're going to train these models to make them as smart as possible. And then all the laws that we're breaking, like they will eventually come back uh, or like we can deal with them at some point. Yeah, I think you're probably right on that front. There's a there's an issue that's been true for a long time of like once you're a global corporation with a certain amount of momentum and power, it's very difficult for anybody to rein it in. And yeah. all they'd have to do is say to any jurisdiction in the United States that was trying to put their foot down on it, like, fine, we're moving to China where there's no such thing as copyright Ooh. law. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so here's how much of a nerd I am. Um, all of your understanding of anything comes back to your own contextual relationship with the historic moment in which you were introduced to it. So if, if somebody uh -huh. was to say, Ollie, describe chair to me. Now, yeah. in initially you'd say something I sat on and then they go, what about an ottoman? What about a stool? What about a sofa? What about the floor? And then you'd yeah. say, oh, it raises me off the ground. Okay, that didn't eliminate many, right? But like the reason that in your head, you know what a chair is, is at some point as a child, you said, what's that? And your dad or mom or uncle or whoever said chair. And then uh -huh. you said, what's that? And they said chair. And eventually they got to something that they said sofa, <laughs> but right. Okay. And you have all those images and all those smells and all the you know sitting in it and all that you have all that contextual experiential data that's chair so if yeah. i was to go to an ai tool and say take everything else out of it define chair to me in a visual format just do chair and take everything every bit of like it has alligator skin on it for whatever reason and it has velvet like get all that out just show me chair what's the essence of chair uh -huh. i was playing around with that and it was okay very fascinating yeah that would be fascinating. That's like pure machine learning. And and then there's the aspect of recursion that goes with that too, because it's not just one chair. It's if you're an AI, if you're a you know, generative AI system, it's millions, if not billions of chairs. Mm -hmm. And what's the chair aspect of chair that's not a sofa, an ottoman, a floor, a beanbag, whatever. Like take all that stuff out of it so that there's no overlap. It's no longer any part, any of those things, what's left. And uh, what you get is an incomprehensible gobbledygook of a thing that like you look at it and go, <laughs> I don't get it. Like, but it does. And then, then the question is like, can you do the opposite though? Can you create something that is essence of chair that a human understands in a two-dimensional form without it being like a specific chair? And uh, the answer on that front is very similar. Nope, incomprehensible gobbledygook can end up with mud. <laughs> anyway, sorry, totally off topic. All good. <laughs> <laughs> So we were talking at the very beginning about prompt engineering yeah. and the risk of change that comes about because these systems are evolving at a pace faster than most people can keep up with. And so yeah. when you're teaching people <laughs> to use something like ChatGPT and you're giving them prompts, how do you stay ahead of the curve so that the information that you shared with them today isn't invalid tomorrow? Yeah, great question. So many people, when they, they see traditional prompts, they go on like Twitter or they go on social media and they see these prompt packs. And then you read these prompt packs and you're like, okay, 
this is really just a glorified Google search. What is SEO? What is uh, what is a blog article? So I'm, I'm a marketer. I was using these tools. I was downloading every single prompt pack that I could find. And I just wasn't satisfied, right? Like I found myself editing heavily uh, all of the content that I would get out of ChatGPT. Uh, and then just out of my frustration, I just started exploring and I came across a prompt that was written in code, uh, right? It was just written in basic JSON code um, and it had parameters. Specific things were like task, your role, rules that you have to follow, steps that you have to follow. And, and through that process of testing over and over and over again. And what I found out was that if you do write your code, what uh, your prompts in JSON format in a very logical way, it actually stays consistent across anybody who's using it and it follows a very certain framework. So yeah, I would say like write them in code, you'll get much better results because it follows the system. I, I, I cringed when you said in code and then said JSON because uh, uh... <laughs> Yeah. So JSON stands for JavaScript Object Notation. It's a markup. It's like HTML mm -hmm. in that sense. Sure. JavaScript itself isn't code. And then, and then it's an object. No so sorry, sorry. I am a turbo. No, marketer. you're absolutely right. right. You yeah. are absolutely right. And I'm like a marketer who doesn't really uh, understand code, but having a tool like ChatGPT that allows me to pull something up that I would look at like code is super powerful. But yeah, I think like one thing that uh, I realized that made made my prompts a little bit better than what I found online uh, was an evaluation method. So like, uh, what the prompts do, you basically look for a task. So say you're yeah. like a marketer who's in copywriting and you need to write uh, an ad brief or like an advertisement. You would go, uh, you would put in the prompt, uh, just literally click copy, paste it into GPT-4. Um, it asks you five questions, It fill, then it does the work for you, and then it evaluates itself based on six criteria. So it's like how well it used reference material that were written in the prompts. Um, so like which books did you uh, leverage the key insights to actually finish this work? Uh, point of view from another industry member, um, so like another professional in that industry. Uh, ranking your work and it tells you uh, why it got a certain rating and how to improve it and then it asks the user do you want to improve it with the guidance i just provided uh, as soon as you click yes it repeats it so there are plugins for chat gpt that do some of these types of actions and then there are things like baby agi or yeah. uh, some of those right spot on is it similar in that sense? You're telling in a pre-prompt effectively ChatGPT that, hey, after you do this thing, I want you to do these other things. Is that effectively what's happening? Spot on, and you got baby AJ exactly right. It's exactly like that in a sense. Um, so like, I think what we're gonna see in the future is these type of baby AGIs, but for the workplace, where you're gonna have your own marketing, one that does the creative brief for you by just asking. Uh, but the stage that we're in right now, this takes it somewhere in the middle where it adds a little bit of autonomy to it, where it asks it to evaluate its own work, revise its work based on its evaluation, and it just gives the users hotkeys. Uh, press one for this, press two for that, uh, press three. Um, and then by the time they evaluate it like two or three times, they end up with a 10 out of 10 document uh, that actually sounds unique. It doesn't have the that chat GPT type of tone and language. It's, yeah. it's yeah. So one of the things that, uh, the, the reason I was bringing up the, the, the code script notation thing is there's actually, this is a very good thing. It's no longer a requirement that you have to know even the distinction between those things to be able to do this type of action. Like all of a sudden the power of automation and of the computer, the promise that's been there forever is there to anybody, right? Yeah. But you need the, you need to take the time to get to know it. In the case of, that's what you did, right? Is you figured it out sure. or you need to find people that have done it that can help you like bridge the gap between being a complete novice and, you know, totally. being powerful with it today. So tell me more about AI for work. What is it that you offer and how would somebody find out more about that? 
Yeah, so right now it's actually just a free resource. As as OpenAI goes into the enterprise and every employer, uh, every employee wants to use uh, ChatGPT at some point, um, they're going to try to find a way to do it. If they go to my website, they could just simply select their department, select their exact role, and they'll find 15 to 20 different prompts to do some of their core tasks. There's expertise-related uh, prompts where you could speak with an expert in your field, uh, and there's actual prompts that just do the work based on your input using this exact same framework. Uh, and then as a result, when they join the uh, website and they're just joined part of the community it's a newsletter um, where the focus of that whole newsletter is how to be more productive at work uh, we don't go too deep into like random tools or various um, it's not about the new new it's about what's working uh, what people are using to actually save time at work right now uh, and just how to leverage gpt uh, as best as possible to, to automate automate your life yeah automate everything always yeah exactly <laughs> hey ellie it was an absolute pleasure having you on thank you so much for having me And that's a wrap for this episode of Techtastic. I want to thank you personally for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep exploring and stay curious.